This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters, where we talk all things property, a little bit of news today about the property market in general, um, followed by a whole lot of things that have been happening in and around renting properties, whether it's uh, the unregulated Airbnb market or the rents rocketing calls for uh, rent freezes or rent caps. There's all sorts happening today, a little bit of uh, commercial news as well. But we'll get into it. This first article from Tony Alexander, writing for Stuff in the Lifestyle section, said is called Here's Why the Property Cycle or This Property Cycle Might Be Different. Apparently, according to him, and it is an opinion piece, he says there's 180,000 houses suitable for breaking up into separate flats in New Zealand, but the rules make it too hard and expensive. And Tony Alexander said that in the last week he'd given presentations to property investors and, and real estate agents in Rotorua, Nelson, Dunedin and Wellington and he was saying that in all locations there's intense interest by people in the state of the local housing markets. We know that the regions have been very busy so that's hardly a surprise but they're looking both on a standalone basis but also in relation to markets in other parts of the country. And in that regard, uh, there's really a couple of numbers that Tony Alexander talks about here. He says, uh, firstly, between the start of 2016 and the end of 2019, the average house prices in Auckland uh, using the Real Estate Institute's house price indexes have risen just 11%. That's from the start of 2016 to the end of 2019, whereas elsewhere in New Zealand, the rise has been 40%. So it's just illustrating some of those figures that we've talked about on previous shows where the regions are really booming. So that period from 2016 to 2019 was a story about Auckland taking a pause, having experienced an 84% rise from in the five years prior, while the rest of the country had gained just 28%. So a lot of catch-up happening there, and it's quite interesting to actually see those figures from Tony Alexander, who of course is, the, uh, is an economist. So... Late in 2019, when Auckland's pause ended, uh, and the average during each quarter of 2019, the house price only price only rose a little percent, about about or a little bit, about 0.5 percent in Auckland. Um, so just some slow slow rises there, and uh, while the rest of the country has been keeping up. But there are actually a number of factors in Auckland that will still keep Auckland going up for a, a little while yet. Um, and um, there, there is, for example, uh, the fact that the youngest population in all regions is in Auckland. However, there is general ageing going on. So um, what this is causing is uh, a – well, apart from the, the population growth in Auckland, it's creating infrastructure problems around road transport. We just need to look at the uh, what happened with the Harbour Bridge and um, public transport, water supply, etc. They're having problems that are not so evident in the regions and that's why 
uh, in a time when people can move more remotely, the regions have been having a lot of people moving there. And here in Manawatu, Wanganui, we've had a lot of people from Auckland buying properties uh, and uh, moving to this region. Up until recently, on a year-to-year basis, it was about 1,500 people per year just from internal immigration. So that's why the regions are doing well. It'll be interesting to see what effect the, um, the the reduced numbers of immigrants coming into the country will have. But up until now with COVID-19, we've had more Kiwis returning home than there ever was immigrants coming into the country. So we'll just have to see what what thing, things hold uh, there as well. A lot of the people returning would most probably go to Auckland, but in saying that, uh, it is also putting an extra pressure on the regional markets. So this article here uh, from Stuff in the National Politics relating to the election and it's about the Palmist North candidates, just a local story here, tackling the city's housing problems. I just thought I'd have a chat about this. So just to put a little bit of uh, background around this, based on those figures I said before with people moving into the area, we need at least 500 new homes to be built every year and uh, we haven't been able to hit that target yet. Uh, and the housing supply has just become more and more difficult. If you've been looking to buy a home lately, uh, or even to rent a home, I'm sure you'd agree that there's a lot of competition. So this article says that candidates running to win the Palmerston North seat this election have vowed to fix the city's housing crisis where rents are rising and house prices keep hitting new highs. You can find this article on stuff.co.nz under politics. So the the general... uh, Consensus from all of the politicians was that the lack of housing was a common problem in the city and uh, this was hosted of course by Manawatu's People's Radio that you're listening to today unless you're listening to this on a podcast later on. So what were some of the solutions that the candidates had to say? Well one was building more houses but removing the Resource Management Act and allowing renters to put down roots. So Nationals William Wood said that his party would pull all levers to solve the housing crisis by investing in public housing and support to get houses built and the party would repeal the Resource Management Act. And that's something which is a theme across quite a lot of politics at the moment is uh, looking at changing the Resource Management Act or um, to make it easier. It's not really fit for purpose in many people's opinion with regards to the the, the large need for housing and getting housing built quickly. So William Wood said the number one focus would be to get houses built and to get people in homes. Wood said New Zealand was facing the greatest recession in 160 years. One or two businesses had to cut staff and people getting hit in the pocket or not able to find a job. He says that uh, National will build the Palmerston North Ring Road, uh, have $200 million to invest in our region and make sure people are supported by low cost of housing and lowering, not raising costs. Um, Labour Party candidate Tangi Utakeri said people wanted certainty and Labour offered an economic recovery plan that invested in people, provided jobs and supported small business. So he said Labour had tweaked the consenting process for houses and made a statement to councils for freeing up land for housings. That's something that we have talked about previously on this show where areas like uh, Auckland is a good example and Christchurch uh, where the Labour Party made a general statement uh, nationally to encourage councils to make um, development easier, maybe giving some leeway on some of the things like um, car parking uh, and and so forth that can take up space. Tangi Utakiri went on to say that the Papioia Place flats, which were built recently, were the first social houses to be built in the city in 25 years. 
and it's good to see that those are continuing and work's still ongoing with those. So he says that Palmas North is getting a share of the 18,000 state houses by 2024. Doesn't sound like enough to me, really, given the size of the, the housing problem, but, you know, it's a start. And the Palmas North Council has been pretty proactive in the, in the last several years trying to free up as much land as possible um, to try and keep uh, the building going. And I went for a drive around... Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the area heading out Roberts Line, James Line and further afield is really, uh, the subdivisions are going in very quickly out there and it's just interesting if you haven't been out that way to have a look. Likewise, if you went up uh, on Massey Hill area, also a lot of activity going on there. And that's just around the market in general. So one of the first steps to making things, slowing the market is to increase the supply of course. So other than that, uh, there were other candidates as well talking in, in similar uh, similar ways. But um, certainly, as I mentioned, the repeal of the Resource Management Act is on the agenda of at least a couple of the parties and um, cutting red tape to get things moving quickly. That's just a bit about the local, local news there. And then, now we'll move on to another thing related to the really busy market uh, in terms of renting. And that's where... We're at the period now where the freeze on rents is coming off, and that's the the freeze on rents that the government put in place during COVID. And this just finishes up uh, end of September, of course. Uh, in fact, it's probably today or tomorrow on the <laughs> uh, to the when as I look at the um, at, at the calendar here and, and see what uh, what's happening there. Now it's interesting because as I mentioned in last week's show. Uh, there's this massive fear that landlords are going to massively crank the rents up. And I did mention last week's show that it would be over nine months since the last increase. And in fact, all landlords should put their rents up because the market has moved up considerably. It also doesn't mean that all landlords will put their rents up because, of course, uh, most landlords only own one property and they can do with uh, their own property, make their own decisions on whether they rent them at market rent or not. But there is this fear that because the, the... Rent, uh, the inability to increase rents is, is coming off that these will go up quite majorly but the, the f- one thing the media d- doesn't really talk about is that actually landlords could have given notice to put their rents up at least uh, not at least but uh, two months ago and so that's where a number of landlords have actually already given notice so the rents are taking effect the rent increases um, in the next couple of days for many people However, the media's uh, gone on to say that uh, this article here, it says, calls for rent control as renters bid farewell to the government's rent freeze with cake. Not quite sure what the cake's got to do with that particular headline, <laughs> but never mind. Um, so some, there were some protesters in Wellington with black balloons and a farewell rent freeze sign um, and they, uh, that were saying goodbye to the six-month freeze that stopped landlords increasing rents. So Renters United, who are a renters advocate group, um, and began a petition for fair rent, organised the farewell on Friday. And Green Party's co-leader James Shaw and the Opportunity Party's candidate uh, Jessica Hammond also attended the event. So they've incorrectly said that in this article that at the end of the government's rent freeze implemented in March under urgent coronavirus legislation meant that from Saturday landlords could give rent increase notices. But as I mentioned, uh, that's not quite correct. You could have given them a couple of months ago, but rent's... Um, most landlords who are 
less knowledgeable <laughs> would just see this in the media and probably put put rents up um, or give notice. So it's just amazing the language that renters unite to use. Uh, one of the members, Aaron Packard, said the rent freeze brought happy days that were free from trepidation um, and uh, and so forth. So uh, what will happen, I think, is that uh, landlords will probably give uh, rent increases. I mean, they, like I say, they should do. The markets have gone up, at least here in the month or two, uh, by 10 to 15% in the last 12 months. So if you hadn't done an increase uh, in those, or haven't been able to give an increase for nine months, it's highly likely that they will go up. The media tends to sensationalise these stories by having these huge rent increases where they pick out specific examples where rents might be going up 100 or $150 per week. Uh, just by way of reminder, if you're a tenant and your rent is going up and that you feel that it is unfair, then there is a very low-cost mechanism to have that determined as to whether it's a fair rent or not, and that's through the Tenancy Tribunal. Uh, there's an application fee of $20.44. So if you feel that you are getting an increase that is unfair or out of line with the market, uh, you can seek to have uh, an adjudicator determine uh, what a fair market rent is. But if you were a tenant, you could expect uh, rents will go up just given that the market has. Now, there was another piece of legislation that came in on the 12th uh, of August uh, this year, which says that you can only put rents up once every 12 months. So landlords will also need to take into account that uh, that is also retrospective. So if you've put uh, if the rent has gone up in the last um, 10 months or so, uh, then you'll be too early to serve notice for rents to go up again. So it's just something to be aware of, that the date that the rent's going to change needs to be at least 12 months from the previous change. So that's a little bit about that. Another thing that's been in the news a bit recently is trying to make the Airbnb market uh, less... Well, how should I put this? Let's put it another way. The Airbnb market is unregulated. So that means that they are able to um, undercut to a certain extent a lot of the existing accommodation providing uh, places like hotels, motels and so forth. So there's a couple of articles here from around the country. Uh, the first one saying that accommodation providers seek an equal playing field for Airbnb-style rentals. So this article from Nelson um, says that uh, 30 accommodation providers turned out to support a presentation from Hospitality New Zealand at a Nelson City Council meeting. What they're finding is that the council is currently missing out on more than a million dollars every year in unpaid rates, uh, with many of the properties for short-term rentals falling under commercial rather than residential definitions. So again, there's no real um, concrete way of, of uh, doing this at the moment. And in fact, um, there's... 38 commercial properties in Nelson, they say, providing 788 beds and only 84 residential rentals limited, uh, listed, I should say, on trademe.com. And this is uh, affecting the housing or the rental market for people that want to rent longer term, the fact that there's so many Airbnbs. So from February through to April, the occupancy in Nelson for Airbnb was 87%, with commercial properties at just 54%, yet the Airbnb properties seem to be sliding under the commercial way of doing things. So they're just wanting that to be um, some remedy to be done there. And it's similar to the Christchurch City Council, who wants to place new rules on people renting out their homes to short-term visitors. So 
Akaroa will have a accommodation shortage if it plans to crank down on homeowners running Airbnb-style properties in Christchurch um, and uh, the locals say. So the council is looking at a system where they they want to have properties that rent on a short-term basis apply for a consent at a cost of at least $1,000, which will make it more fair because uh, other industries like the motel industry and so forth have to do that and um, they're just trying to make that a little bit less attractive or just to make it more fair. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think it's reasonable that people that own Airbnbs uh, can just look at uh, their overall cost to see if it is a good investment. I know in some areas that were the traditional tourist hotspots, we've had a situation where quite a number of properties, and we've actually experienced this to a certain extent in one or two, uh, where properties that have been used for Airbnbs, those owners are now looking at options around renting those out full-time, just in terms of returning those to a more traditional rental pool. Uh, another thing that is interesting, though, is a lot more Kiwis are staying within the country to travel, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how big that effect is. But we're going to take a little bit of a music break here on Property Matters. Uh, this is uh, Paul Young with Wherever I Lay My Hat. Break their hearts and deceive them 
You're back on Property Matters. This is Greg Watson. Uh, it's lovely having your company today, and you're listening to Property Matters on NPR, Mano Two People's Radio, Te Reo Irirangi on Tangata or Mano Two, and or on where you can find us. Where all podcasts are found, of course. So wherever you're joining us from, lovely to have your company today. We were talking about some uh, rental matters earlier in the show. We're going to carry on in that vein. The Real Estate Institute of New Zealand has just rolled out a guide for first-time renters. I just want to get my hands on one of these, but this is just the news article about it. And it says that the idea behind it, or behind the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand releasing this new guide for first-time renters is to reduce the number of cases in the Tenancy Tribunal for issues that could have been resolved earlier. So this is an article from NZ Advisor. Uh, online.co.nz. So the new guide discusses common concerns such as the healthy home standards, the level of bond a landlord or property manager can ask for, insurance, notice to inspect, the number of weeks rent that can be asked for in advance, and it also covers concerns around maintenance and repairs and retaliatory notices. REINZ Chief Executive Bindi Norwell says that renting can be a confusing and daunting process and this guide is written in plain English to help try and outline some of the key questions people have before they sign an agreement during their tenancy and when they want to leave their rental property. One thing we hear time and time again is that tenants don't report issues with the property to their landlord or property manager in a timely manner. The guide points out that tenants have a legal responsibility to report any repairs or maintenance required to the property to the landlord or property manager in order to prevent further damage. The guide clarifies that the landlord or property manager should present the home in a reasonable condition and fix issues on time, and they also cannot give renters a notice to leave the property in relation to raising a maintenance issue. So with so many changes to legislation relating to rental properties over the last few years, it's essential that tenants understand their rights and know what their landlord and property manager should or shouldn't be doing, Norwell said. So I imagine you would find your way to that through the uh, Real Estate Institute of New Zealand website, which is reinz.co.nz. Another uh, resource for very good tenancy and landlord information, of course, is uh, tenancy govt.nz which has a lot more details as well on things like insurance and healthy home standards. So what's happening with rents at the moment? Well with the rental market uh, here in the Manawatu 
rents have been going up. There's no doubt about that, as I mentioned earlier, generally about the 10 to 15% mark in the last 12 months. And that's a scary thought for, for renters, as I mentioned, where landlords might be putting rents up again soon. Around the country, uh, I'll give a little bit of information here from this article, which says that Wellington rents stall for the first time in five years. So it gives an example of uh, a lady who has flattered in Wellington her entire adult life, and <laughs> the 60-square-metre apartment that she lives in, which isn't very big and shares with a couple, is the first flat she's liked enough to stay in for more than a year. So Wellington notorious for um, cold housing and um, and they've been bringing the stock up to date. But the median weekly rent in Wellington has come to a grinding halt in August showing no annual increase for the first time since October 2015 according to the latest Trade Me Rental Price Index. And Trade Me Property spokesperson Aaron Clancy said Wellington's median rent remained flat when compared with August 2019 at 5.50 per week. So there's also just a few more properties on the market. He says that in August we saw a 13% increase in the number of small, that's one to two bedroom properties, listed for rent in the Wellington region. So that pause, he says, is probably related to the government's move to freeze rental prices as this rule only applies to existing or can't be put down to that, sorry, because the rule only applies to existing tenancy agreements. So the new ones that have been signed up in the last 12 months are fairly flat. So what's interesting here is they mention uh, in this article a few other places as well. Uh, the median weekly rent in Auckland region was up 4% when compared with August of last year at $570 per week. So that's incredible that Wellington, I think at one stage in the last 12 months, became more expensive than Auckland to rent in. But if you look around the country, uh, probably the median here in Palmerston North, and this is off the top of my head, so don't quote me with this, uh, about this is probably around about the 450 mark, I would say, uh, best guess. There were other areas where there have been increases still, which are more the regions like ours. I talked about ours, but Bay of Plenty, for example, up 9%. Um, and there's been um, in Northland or Marlborough, are also uh, rents are flying up there because the supply has been dropping um, in terms of uh, relative to the population growth, I guess is a good way of putting it. So, so Northland and Marlborough, uh, the rental supply has dropped by 35% and 14% respectively. So um, around the country, rents are generally going up and um, and that that's, they will continue to do so while there is a housing shortage. And that's the fundamental issue with the real estate market, sales market, and with renting as well. In fact, that's one of the contributing factors to the slowing market in terms of the number of properties for sale, uh, the fact that there is such a shortage that if you sell a house in order to buy, it might be hard to buy a house and can even be hard to rent a house at the moment. So a lot of people are choosing uh, not to sell uh, their existing properties and maybe stay put. Uh, another thing that they do sometimes is they'll, if they're upsizing or downsizing, people are still holding their existing house because the prices are rising so well uh, in order to just get that capital gain and therefore um, those are being removed from first home buyers sort of pool out there. So um, 
a lot less listings in the Manutu Wanganui. If you've been out to open homes lately, you'd probably experience anywhere from half a dozen to about 40 groups of people looking to buy, uh, particularly in the price range up to 450. Um, you'd be in, in a multiple offer situation against um, plenty of other offers, and that's why it's it's hard to buy a home. But if you're in that market at the moment uh, looking to buy, I wish you good luck and um, There'll be another another show. You can look at one of our old shows on how to put your best foot forwards with regards to purchasing in this market. So that's all we've got time for this week. I'm Greg Watson, and you've been listening to Property Matters here on NPR One or Two People's Radio. We'll catch up with you again in a week's time. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.